0: Button chop! Oh Mama. <laughs> Welcome to Button Chops, the podcast where two miserable millennials from Northern England ask, What's the crack with video games? I'm Chris. And I'm Matthew. And uh we've made it to our third episode, mate. That's Congratulations.
1: Right, That's the most amount of anything I've ever done in my life.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever achieved anything better than this. Yeah. I think after this third episode, I'll probably just go and walk into the sea.
1: <laughs> I think we're at the point as well now where we can call ourselves like
0: video game experts,
1: professionals. Yeah. Like- yeah,
0: I'm going to start harassing all of the video games journalists on that fellow <laughs> on Twitter with my opinion, shouting <laughs> at them, screaming at them, sending them. Naked. Sending them porn. <laughs> Just sending them loads of porn on
1: Twitter. I'm not going to do that. I've already changed my LinkedIn then to uh, Video Game Industry Professional. <laughs> Video Game Matthew.
0: <laughs> Two podcasts down. Yeah. I'm going to change my name to Kurt. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what are we here for? This week we're going to be talking about our top 10 games of the generation. Which has been quite a good generation. I think you'd agree. Yeah, Yeah. Is this what it's like the seventh generation of games? I think it's called.
1: Yeah. I think it's been the best, easily. I mean, like when you're a kid and stuff and you're playing games, very different. Imagination runs a bit more wild, but this, like, technically, has definitely been the best uh, video game. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think there was a lot more excitement around like the changing of a video game generation when you were younger Hmm. like i mean i I would get like games magazines all the time and i remember like i think i was a little bit too young to get excited about the ps2 coming in and taking over from the playstation although i remember getting my like ps2 but this the changing from that to kind of like that era to like the xbox 360 and ps3 Hmm. was like oh my god like look at the graphics like this is amazing then, I remember
1: that I remember the graphics step up in when, when you got a PlayStation 3. I think I had I went around my mates and played on Motorstorm, which is that like sort of like Classic Motorstorm rally game. Not a rally game, it's more like arcade Uh mm. it was so good. And it was like, Oh, when you go around the car when you go around the track and you go around doing do another overlap, all your tire marks are like still on the fucking the farm <laughs> i was like well, that's well good. to be fair that is still pretty good um which goes to show how slowly like graphics and technologies came along since around then but i yeah. think the actual like refinement of the the technology within video games has been so strong like in this last generation plus yeah. like the innovation between consoles like, the nintendo switch so like, by by a long shot the best handheld console that's like, ever been easily so mm. you know, it's a it's a handheld console that you wouldn't have imagined existing eight eight, nine years ago. Yeah. Just graphics and stuff are very good. And it's it's very nimble obviously, obviously. So
0: yeah. We're into the sort of era of like incremental changes now. Like mm. the new consoles don't really seem like a huge leap to you know, to the untrained eye. Yeah, yeah. Than they did from like previous generations. But I think it just kind of shows how far like games have come mm. that we're kind of we're getting to the point now where you know, you have games like The Last of Us where you're approaching, like, photorealism now, I'd say. We're getting there. Still a ways off, but yeah. So, like, what? which consoles did you have over the last, the previous generation? Which was, like, which ones did you get?
1: (laughs) I got a PlayStation 4, uh, like, as soon as it came out. Um, I've always had PlayStations. Um, Hmm. I didn't even really have, like, super nintendos and stuff as a kid so i just yeah. had a playstation one and then i've moved forward that way i've had like you know ds's and stuff like that as the time's gone and i got a switch in this
0: generation i'll be at a short period yeah, of time for about a week <laughs> <laughs> remember that week when you had a switch <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a week it was two weeks all oh, right sorry mate. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: but i've always had a playstation i've always championed playstation even like playstation Mm. 3 when it i'd say xbox as a a generation won that
0: i didn't pick up a ps3 until really late on yeah and it was that's i think well the ps3 came out and it was like crazy expensive wasn't it Mm. and i expressly wanted a ps3 because it had metal gear solid 4 Mm. but i remember it had if i'm remembering correctly and i mean like i was pretty young i guess when it came out i don't really remember it having a very good launch lineup And around that time, like I was really, really into Halo and really, really into Metal Gear Solid Mm. and the 360 was cheaper Mm. and I loved Halo, so I got one of those and I didn't pick up a PS3 until much later. Yeah, I remember there
1: was a setting on the PlayStation 3, which was like, it sort of vaguely touched on like graphic upgrades. I think I I must have been about 14, 15-ish. And you're still in that sort of period of time where like you and your mates just sort of lie to each other. And I remember uh,
0: what, uh, And say that your dad's going to beat up their dad. Say that your dad's <laughs> going to come home from the shops.
1: <laughs> um, he will and- one day. <laughs> And there was a setting on the PlayStation Three that had something about graphic upgrades. So mm. everyone in school was like, going, "Oh, if you get a PlayStation Three, like, and you put in a PlayStation Two game, the graphics like look loads better. It becomes like another game, which yeah. is which has only really happened over the last couple of years. as Remasters have happened. And remakes, I thought
0: you sorry. were gonna say there if you get a PlayStation Three and put in a PS Two you get like a super <laughs> ps3 you get skip a few generations <laughs> you tape your ps2 and your ps3 together you get a ps5
1: <laughs> when it came out i had i had final fantasy um final fantasy 12 and um mm. and shadow of the colossus and I was obsessed with Shadow of the Colossus at the time. So I was like, oh, I'll put this in. Like, Imagine how good the uh, monsters are going to look. And like, I just told myself that it looked better. I went with the lies of the school. I was just like, oh, yeah, this is loads better. It didn't. It was exactly the same game. So I had a PlayStation 3 with Motorstar, which looked ridiculous at the time. And then I had, like, PS2 games.
0: I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I think my brain still works that way. Like, I've been <laughs> playing stuff on my PS5 being like, oh, you've seen that? I mean, oh, it looks... <laughs> It looks so much better than it did on PS4. I mean, in some of the cases, like, there actually are like performance update versions, like, so they actually genuinely do. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, this past week, I've been replaying The Last of Us Part 2. Hmm. I've been putting myself through the physical and emotional torture of playing The Last of Us Part 2 again. It's a hard
1: replay, isn't it? <laughs> I started it again. It's so difficult.
0: I'm playing it on the easiest mode, just so it's like there's no resistance whatsoever i can just breeze through it but um that actually doesn't perform very well on ps5 i've noticed tons yeah. of frame rate drops it just sort of cuts out and stuff so mm. yeah it's a myth but yeah. um I yeah that- so i mean like i had a i had a ps4 for this generation i didn't this was the first time since the first xbox that i didn't get an xbox yeah um I kind of went off Halo a bit after, which was a the last one I played was Halo Four, mm. and then Halo Five was apparently really bad, um, so I just didn't get an Xbox at all. I had a PS4 for this entire generation and a Switch, which I got last year. Yeah, and like I think the PS4 has been the best console I've ever had. The amount of games are like completely ridiculous. Yeah, they've ab I mean- Sony have absolutely dominated. I mean, how long has it been? I guess I would have got my PS4 in like 2014, so mm. seven years now ish. Yeah, they've just killed it.
1: Yeah, and the amount of them that are actually like exclusives as well is pretty. Uh, you don't even look. You don't even look at say, say games like Bloodborne. I just assumed it wasn't an exclusive. Yeah, and then it is an exclusive. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and you get through, and it's just like when when we get in this list together, which I'm sure people know is coming at this point. Um, I was just looking at the games. And I was just like, this is this is so hard. Like top five could easily be like shifted in any sort of direction, especially top three. Uh, but even, I was sort of cutting out games from like a top 10. And I was just like, well, that was a really, really good game. Yeah. I was just like, it's got no chance of
0: getting in this list. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know
1: what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. There was, I mean, there was, for me, there was a really clear, um, there was a really clear top five and a really clear number one. Um, Mm. But then the rest I did sort of struggle with. Um, And I also just sort of, I'm one of those people that trades in games. I don't tend to keep like a big collection. I kind of buy something, play it, then trade it in. So I didn't, I don't actually have a whole load of games to look at where I was, I was kind of opened my game. I have a, I have a games draw <laughs> and I opened this drawer that holds all my games and kind of looked at it and I was like, it feels like I haven't played that much. And yeah. I had to like really rack my brain to think like, what what did I play? Because there was <laughs> just like, there's so many potential options to go in. Yeah, I 10. went through my
1: trophy collection. That's what that was my reference. I sort of looked for where where I had like a bar that was a bit bigger. And it said PS4, and I was like, "Well, i clearly played that game." And it'd be
0: like Far Cry. I'd be like, "Nah." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mad Max. Oh. I got Mad Max free off the PlayStation Network. Played that for about <laughs> half an hour. Yeah. Number one, but game of the generation, Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> Clear winner. Yeah. Yeah. So should we get into it then? Yeah. Yeah. Do should we? So I we've kind of we've worked out a format in advance because um, obviously not all of our list is the same so I think we're just going to like take turns and start from five onwards mm. and then we might do some honourable mentions after yeah. that depending on how long it takes after the uh, after the Demon's
1: Souls episode which people are probably still listening to now like a <laughs> will be <clear. laughs> and
0: loving every second of it I'm sure Was <laughs> a feature length film <laughs> yeah say, in that one hour 30 summer it was about and the yeah. length of the Irishman <laughs> it was so long (laughs) well I mean like we had a lot of opinions on Souls games you know yeah I felt like that episode could have went in so in so much more Mm -hmm. depth
1: but I guess we can like break those discussions up as we
0: go yeah I steer most conversations that I have into Souls (laughs) (laughs) like what An annual review at work. I get called into the boss's office. They ask how I think I'm doing. I'm like, well, I haven't quite got all the trophies in Bloodborne, so obviously I'm not (laughs) trying hard enough. (laughs) So good that my voice croaked out as I dropped that absolute banger of a a gag. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well played, mate. Well played. Very good. Number five. Number five. uh, What's your number five? Mine is uh, Animal Crossing: New Horizons. <laughs> game at? of the generation. It's been, definitely been the game of uh, the game of twenty twenty. Well, I think that's where
1: I wanted to hint into it because it's mm. kind of like it. Really, I I had um, Animal Crossing: Wild World on DS. I loved it as a kid, and it's this new one's almost like a bit of a step down compared to that. I think. Yeah. Or From memory, anyway, um, and I certainly didn't play it for as long. Uh, continuously as I played the old one because obviously this game actually like it exists in real time so if it's summer it's summer in the game if it's winter it's winter in the game and I remember going through seasons in uh, Wild World whereas New Horizons I'm pretty sure I just saw summer and then I was like nah.
0: yeah <laughs> I think I played it for about I played it for about a month I didn't even actually finish it um, yeah, you know a KK Slater is that? That's how you fin- you get the credit, isn't it? KK Slider comes. To yeah, town you got the gig. And, yeah, you have a gig in town. And, uh <laughs> that was it. Was the first Animal Crossing I had played since Animal Crossing on the GameCube, mm. which I have like m- like crazy nostalgia for. Yeah, and again, I I think I found it, <laughs> like I don't remember getting that far into the original Animal Crossing. I remember just f- being like. Oh, is this all that you do in this game? <laughs> you just, you just have a town. You just breathe and like sit down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah breathing, sitting down, a, and you can catch butterflies. <laughs> yeah. that's, how, that's what's on the back of the box, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's how they advertise it. I think like, At the time that game came out, everybody really needed something just relaxing and, you know, sort of something to sort of quell the anxiety that was creeping in as, like, the world started to just completely collapse in on itself. Yeah, I think that's exactly
1: it. I mean, for me, it's a game that whenever I think of it, I will always think about the pandemic. Mm. It's like, and for me, it holds, that means that it holds such a big emotional uh response in my brain for years to come yeah whether whether i thought it was technically a good game or not and if it was if this is a technical list rather than my own heartfelt list it wouldn't be anywhere near it but because it had that moment of coming out literally pretty much i think it was almost the same week we went into the first lockdown i think it was yeah because i went and got my switch uh the week before we went into lockdown um, and me and my friend uh, drove to Portsmouth from Brighton <laughs> um, to go get it, to go get it from the only Argos in the entire country that had a switch left. Because it, it was the point where like they were selling out. and I Nobody was just, could get them. No, there was like days and I was like, oh, I don't, don't know if I want one, it'll be all right. And I only bought mine because I realized it was the last one in the country. And I was like, when will these ever exist like, what if I die in two months <laughs> like, <laughs> and I didn't play oh. Animal Crossing? <laughs> <laughs> but it and then I got home and sort of started playing Animal Crossing, and, and it's sort of like I remember the drive to Portsmouth felt like really doomsday like and had all those vibes of COVID and when am I going to see my friends again? And then I got home, and played Animal Crossing, and it was just the, the absolute just just of, of escapism. Away. Yeah, nice little music. I was on the beach yeah. and. F- like for those reasons i think it definitely needs to be mentioned in a game of the generation list
0: i think like what you said there about a lot of the games you haven't they're not on your list because they're technically the best the more Mm -hmm. like the emotional attachment you have to them like that's definitely my sort of metric for enjoying a game like yeah quite often some of the games that i really like aren't technical marvels they're just they came along at the right time, and I've sort of formed an emotional attachment to them. And I think that's the big thing with Animal Crossing is that it yeah. um it wasn't just a game release; it was like a cultural moment in the middle yeah. of like a global shitstorm.
1: Yeah, it was breaking social media. Like
0: everyone was on about it yeah like and people were going on dates and stuff on it like um, instead of- guilty <laughs> well
1: <laughs>
0: guilty yeah, just going to going to segue into that so uh, how how was that going on a yeah, date on right. a game I actually put it
1: on my uh, on my hinge profile I I can't remember what the question was, but I mentioned it. It, also, mm. it was like, we won't get along if you're not into, and I was at Animal Crossing and just getting loads of people messaging me loads. Oh yeah. Like I'm some really hot hunk, um, <laughs> being like, oh, Animal Crossing. And I'd just be like, yeah, you're in, do you want to come to my island? Well, I uh, do some emoticons emo- <laughs> <laughs> come, come to my
0: island, I'll make your curry.
1: <laughs> but yeah, we were like, um, I was, it, it wasn't loads, it was a couple. And um, But it wasn't just, it was, there was an actual girl that I went on a date on Animal Crossing with that I'd Mm. never met or never talked to before, apart from on Hinge. And I never spoke to her since, so that went well. But then the the rest of it was like connecting with friends, like... I have friends that like we were going to their islands. Uh, there's a friend of mine and her friend who came to my island on like the time when my island had like shooting stars. Yeah. So I like put a lot of effort into like, put like a telescope on the top of this mountain <laughs> and like decorated the uh, the mountain. So I was like, everyone come to my island. I've got shooting stars. And we all just sat there like looking at the sky. It's pressing A every time you see a shooting star for probably like three hours and then just like (laughs) chat but just chatting in the meantime and that is not a good game is it and like when they came to my own there was nothing to do but that's the thing with the multiplayer
0: it's there is nothing to do like there's, (laughs) that's something that i love the idea of animal crossing and Mm. like i was really excited to play new horizons and i think i probably put like 30 40 hours into it (laughs) yeah but when it came down to it there was a day where i just kind of went I'm not, I'm not doing anything on the, like I'm doing the same thing every day. It's like the, the gaming equivalent of like, what, like cleaning your kitchen. You have to, you have to do it regularly. (laughs) And if you, if it, if it drops off, then, you know, you're just, yeah, it's just a shit hole. Yeah. (laughs) So. You start getting weeds and everything. Yeah. So I dropped, I dropped off pretty quickly with it, but I enjoyed it while I was playing it. And it was nice to feel like you were sort of part of a, a thing that was happening everywhere like everyone was doing it you know mm. so. i think it was an
1: important it wasn't it was a really important gaming moment of 2020 in a year where even the games were depressing as fuck like last of us And we wanted to play last of us
0: in the middle of a pandemic almost did me in yeah you know I, mean? I, play, I was playing doom eternal when the pandemic started See? and like i thought i was going to have an aneurysm <laughs> <laughs> it's just it was a level of stress that i just didn't need in my life at that point yeah so but
1: animal crossing was fifth for me
0: for mainly for its
1: cultural and connecting ability yeah um,
0: i'm sure a lot of people uh, share your uh, sentiment with that so my number 5 was a uh, legend of zelda breath of the wild which uh, <laughs> I, you're not that much of a fan of <laughs> Are you? Are you? Uh, right. Okay. So I we shouldn't slander games on this list. It's meant to be a
1: celebration.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we can have a we can have a thoughtful discussion because that's mm. what this is all about. This is all about having thoughtful discussions, guys, and fun and fun, but mainly thoughtful discussions with a bit of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like I mean, Zelda for me, in terms of games, is like one of those things where. I have like loads of nostalgia for it. And I'm like, Oh, I love Zelda, Hmm. but I actually haven't really played that many Zelda games. It's just that when I was a kid, the first console that like in our house growing up, we had like a living room console, which was the PlayStation, Mm. like the PlayStation two or whatever. And then like me and my brother would have like consoles in our rooms. And the console that I was, that I had in my room was the Nintendo GameCube, which I think (laughs) when that came out and like, I want to say 2001, it was like crazy cheap. It was like 130 quid for a GameCube at launch. Mm. And uh, so I had that. And one of the games I had for it was uh, the Wind Waker, Mm. which uh, is like, it's one of my favorite games of all time. And then I didn't really play any of the 3D Zeldas after that. And mm. I didn't have a Nintendo 64 either. So I didn't play Ocarina of Time or anything. So really the only yeah. Zelda I've properly played is the Wind Waker. And I was like, oh, I love Zelda. I'm going to get a Switch because I really want to get Breath <laughs> of the Wild. But I didn't get one until like just before the pandemic last year. So it was out mm. for a couple of years. And across that entire period, everyone was like, oh, Breath of the Wild is like one of the best games ever made. It's it's, it's if not the greatest game ever made. Like, And they're like the hyperbole yeah. around it was like so exaggerated that when i got it i was expecting to be totally blown away by it Mm. and then i found it a bit disappointing because Mm. it did just sort of seem like it's a big open world zelda so Mm. i played it liked it but didn't love it and then didn't go back to it and then just recently i picked it up again and started a new game on it and like realized like how amazing it is Mm. so it's just i mean like i'm I mean I don't even know what else to say about it other than to just sort of gush over just how cleverly put together it is. Like it has like one of the most like sophisticated physics systems in a game I've ever played and it doesn't rely on artificial like an artificial sense of progression. Yeah. It puts you in the world, it gives you a bunch of tools and then it's like, right figure it out. And It's not Mm. like uh, some games like that, you'll maybe get to a dungeon or an area where it's like outside of your level and you have to go away and get something else to complete that part. Breath of the Wild doesn't work like that. Like you can go anywhere Mm. and essentially do anything. Like once you get past the initial sort of like tutorial area, you could just go straight to the final boss and theoretically you could beat him. And I just find that really interesting. Mm. And I think because it is kind of light on plot And the bits of the plot that you do get just aren't really that interesting. That was what I was focusing on the first time Mm. I played it and kind of being a little bit disappointed Mm. with the like the linearity aspect of it. when I played it again and realized like the point of the game isn't to just get to the end of the game, it's to explore the world and just see what you can find. That's when I just yeah. allowed myself to just be in it. Yeah. For me, that was that was fascinating.
1: And I still completely agree, it's hundred percent a very respectful game. I understand all the hype and all the credit for it. But for me, it was fascinating for like fifteen to twenty hours, which is a long time. But then after that I just started to be like it's the same thing over and over again. It's one I think it's really repetitive. I'm gonna say it's one of the most repetitive games that I've ever played. So it's not really true. But it's it's certainly up there. I mean, it gets to a point where you're really discovering stuff. I loved it at first. I I loved the first 15 15 hours. And eventually you get to the point where you start, like, climbing around mountains, and then it's like, well, what's in here? And it's like, oh, it's it's a dungeon with um, Mm. a guardian in it with a couple of uh, axes on his arms. It's like, I've already found that before. You know what I mean? And then it's like, and then... You do it, and then you get what were they called? The upgrade things. You get the Where um, you, you choose choose to upgrade either your health or your stamina. I forgot what they're called. <laughs>
0: they're like shrine. They up, the
1: upgrade things. We're we prof- we prof- professional video gra- video game people. The upgrade things. <laughs> I used to find these things, and I used to be like, I wonder what's in there, or I wonder, I wonder what's in that crevice, or what's down there. And I used to really want like mm. a unique weapon some unique armor, something where I could come away and be like, oh, this is class. But it doesn't have that because everything's <laughs> yeah. destroyable. Plus, like every now and again, you do do a dungeon, you do get the weapons, but it's after 15 to 20 hours, they're the same weapons. So you start picking up the same stuff again. It's slightly upgraded. Um, and that along with the dungeons and the, the uh, what are they called? The big big boys? The Divine Beasts. The divine beast that they're, they're as repetitive. It's like every four corners of the world's got like an issue with a divine beast going mental. Yeah. You, you jump into it, solve
0: a puzzle, fix it. It points somewhere. I, um... I agree and I disagree because the divine beasts are all kind of samey, and I think some of the like the immediately. Uh, discoverable shrines all appear quite samey. I do think you have to kind of work hard to find some of the more interesting shrines because there are some really interesting shrines, like some really clever puzzles. None of them are particularly hard. I think that's one issue with the game is that it's not really that challenging. But the Divine Beasts in particular, I think they suffer from aesthetically all kind of looking the same, but the the puzzles in them are really again, if not challenging, very clever and inventive and I would find myself even on like a second playthrough, like knowing really broadly how to beat them, going, oh shit, like this is really well designed. I think it's it's definitely a game where the first playthrough I played it mostly handheld as well and I think like that is not a good way to play it. I think it looks really good on like a big TV. That's where you can really appreciate like the visual style of it and just the sense of scale, but I don't know if you've watched many videos on YouTube of like people manipulating the physics in the game. No. Some of the stuff that you can do in the game is like mind-boggling. And what I think I really appreciate about it is that they're not things that like that Nintendo intended for players to do it's that they set down like a really consistent mm. physics system that can be manipulated in really interesting ways and like even now like 4 years on mm. players are still finding new things that you can do in the game that the people who made it probably never intended them to be able to do it's just a really yeah. really yeah. deep thoughtfully designed game which I, I really like
1: yeah it's a it's a playground i do feel like i sort of Maybe you did the same thing, and that's why I didn't really like your first playthrough. But every time you encountered uh, enemies, and they were like sat around the skull and was, yeah. like barrels, and there was something to shoot, the fire to shoot at, to drop onto the barrels to make them explode. I sort of found myself like sticking to like a routine with them, rather than opening myself up and being like, no, I'd yeah. tackle these but do them a completely different way. And I got so bored of doing the same thing with them that I started to avoid them. And I do agree that that isn't the right way to play it, and I haven't given the game um, yeah. systems the respect that they probably deserve by playing it like that. But I just, for me, I just wasn't. Yeah, wasn't I interested. mean, there's all
0: sorts of crazy stuff you can do in it. Like you can use the uh, the stasis ruin that like stops time. You can like mm. hit a rock or whatever. with stasis so it catapults off and then quickly jump onto the rock and it'll fling you into the air like high enough that you can then like hit the glider Mm -hmm. and glide like halfway across the map like it's just it's nuts like the way that all of the intertwining systems just complement each other really well so yeah that was my number five anyway Breath of the Wild which uh, on first play didn't love but playing it again recently I've just been kind of blown away by how good it is my opinion on it is that I didn't like it, but I do
1: agree that I didn't really give it the right amount of space before discarding it aggressively. Yeah, it's a shame that you only had a Switch for a week. So. <laughs> Two weeks? <laughs> had... I was too busy dating. If you, say, if you say so, mate. I was too busy dating. That's why, Maybe that's why. I went into Breath of the Wild and I was like, I can't date people on this. I can't date people.
0: <laughs> Who hurt you that made it made, hurt you so bad that you had to get rid of your Switch? <laughs> <laughs> it was Zelda wasn't it wasn't any of the any of the many girls lined up on my uh, animal crossing she's a saucy temptress yeah. <laughs> moving on <laughs> so we're up on to number 4 of our games of the generation what's your number 4 i have persona 5 which i felt
1: could have been higher um mm. i think it's amazing i i absolutely love um japanese role playing games and yeah. i haven't really got into too many of them over the last few years because i'm stubbornly almost obsessive of final fantasy whereas from my life yeah. i've only played final fantasy games in in that genre i never really
0: got into dragon quest and stuff because i was like it won't be as mm. good as final fantasy um it's final fact does, does final fantasy fall into the jrpg yeah, category 100%. No, i'm not really that i don't really know a lot about jrpg you wouldn't you wouldn't think it I, with the new ones because they're, they're deviating they're
1: more like action yeah. games um but it's they were heralded as as some of the first games in the genre, mm. and they were one of the reasons yeah. why that genre came to the West. But um, but Persona Five, I haven't really pl- I haven't played a turn based um, game in years, and I, I didn't I wasn't aware until I started playing Persona Five that there was even some of them still exist. And this is just pure yeah. and pure turn based. If you if you're not into Final Fantasy, it's also like akin to Pokemon. It's just like, take your turn, it's that person's turn next. You, you understand the, the system, so you try and predict what's about to happen to avoid it. Mm. Uh, Persona's just taken that system like and enhanced it so much. And where Final Fantasy and things have moved into action games to try and keep up with the pace and of the, the commercial video game nowadays, Persona just upped the pace of turn-based. To the point where you can, yeah. if you understand what you're doing with it, you can almost just batter bat all the buttons really quickly, and it'll just it'll just all
0: happen that quick. It was so yeah. fun. Is that where you've gotten to? <laughs> <laughs> just, like, pum, 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 pum. You just smash the controller into your forehead, <laughs> and suddenly everybody on the screen's dead. Yeah.
1: But I, um, but it's for, for that reason alone, it was really good. But the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. I think.
0: The soundtrack's fucking
1: class. It's so good. It gets stuck in your head so bad. It's just this beautiful acid jazz. And like the chorus of the battle theme is just that you hear it so many times, but still you don't really tire of it. Every time you go into a new battle, you're like,
0: Like, (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking ridiculous. It's so cheesy. I've played about 25 hours of it. Nick, you've just started playing it very recently, haven't you? Yeah, well, I picked it up because um, it was free uh, on PS Plus and I was enjoying it, but I was trying to play that and Ghost of Tsushima and oh, something else at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it, or oh, The Witcher. And I ended up just sort of setting it aside for now because I know it's like one of those games where it's like, you can't finish it in under a hundred hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I was like nearly at the end of the first dungeon. I got to the bit with the swinging scythes on the bridge. Just, I th- I'm, I'm guessing it's just before you fight Kamashida, the boss, yeah, the, the yeah, final yeah, boss yeah. of the first dungeon. And I had to go back. I had to backtrack a bit to get like um, a key for this like statue to stop mm. the swinging scythes, and got killed. Yeah, yeah. And then I think I had a bit of a like shit fit temper tantrum, <laughs> and then turned it off. And then I haven't gone back to it since. But I keep meaning to go back to mm. that. And uh pick it up again. I was way more interested in, like, the dating side... Oh, yeah. ...than doing the dungeons. Like, that was what I was it's, about. What's this
1: top five turning into? They've all got, like, dating themes.
0: <laughs> Me and you. Men only want one thing, <laughs> and it's disgusting. <laughs> I don't know what it was about it, though. Like, I, I just... I found, like, the whole, like, life sim aspect way more interesting. Like, I wanted to kind of, you know, like, hang out in the school and talk to yeah, people yeah. and... I thought that at the first I was a bit like, ugh, turn-based combat. Like, I'm not massively into it. But once I kind of got into the rhythm of it and kind of, you know, because the strategy behind it is basically try and stun the yeah. enemy with something yeah. they're weak to and then all-out attack yeah. them before they can even do a move. Yeah. And once I kind of got into the swing of that, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm getting this. But it, it, it's actually a pretty hard game. Yeah, it's really hard. Like, I was getting killed. I was getting killed pretty regularly on it. Yeah. I, I started um, on a hard because I was that- like... <laughs> I know my stuff here because you're all
1: fucking. And hard then as fuck, I realised that, like, you know, in in games like this. Thinking again back to like Pokemon, you go like he's he's a fire type because he's on fire, so you can use water, and then that's yeah. super effective. But Persona's nowhere near that clear. They, you never. You get, it's totally it,
0: it's totally <laughs> like obtuse. <up-trick. laughs>
1: Almost like the weaknesses yeah. don't really make sense. And there's what like ten-ish. um Yeah. So it's quite hard to really predict. So I put it on hard, and it was. I found the first bit of the game sort of easy as long as you kept yourself like nicely leveled and did all the encounters mm. but then eventually like if you don't if you can't figure out the weaknesses like you just you're just not going to beat them but even the regular yeah. encounters so it makes it quite punishing because you essentially have checkpoints you, you need to get through yeah. like 10 to 15 more encounters to get to the next checkpoint and if you get to like the 12th and you haven't got it right you just all the way back to the start again It's just, it's quite brutal in that sense. But I agree with you that the, the, the combat for me is, it's really good, but it's definitely not like groundbreaking. It's a system that's existed for a long time. But the pacing between the different elements of the game is what makes it really interesting, I think. Because as soon as you get bored of one side of it, you can just go off and do another thing. So... For anyone listening it doesn't gonna make much sense, but you go to school, you do like exams, you gotta like read stuff you gotta take notes of what the teacher says in class, so you can pass your exams you gotta date people, get your friendships with the main characters up um <laughs> get your body stronger, all this stuff, and it's you can just flow between whatever you want to do. There's generally like you need to do the boss of this section of the game by x date. And then whatever you yeah. do within those days is up to you, but you can sort of do it in your own way. Like you said there, where you can just do the turn-based stuff. You go into the dungeons, get really far into them and go right, bored of that and go like hang out with people and do whatever you want. It's like, that's what I think makes it quite hooking because you can't really get bored of it because it sways
0: between so many very different mechanics. Yeah. Um, and you can't really, you can't really binge through a dungeon and then spend the rest of the time doing that because like your teammates get exhausted and stuff, and you run out of like HP and yeah. SP. Yeah, which you use to use like your persona attacks yeah, yeah. and stuff. And it's quite
1: hard to get the items to recover them as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very like it, it is the kind of game where it's not designed to be beaten over like the course of you know like a few weeks of just playing that game like it's it's a game that you have to a bit like animal crossing actually like you have to consistently go back and just keep chipping away at it yeah. it's like a, it's about sort of like maintenance over time Yeah, it's such a long game as well there's so much dialogue I'll tell you what i'm uh interested in i'm interested in picking up persona five strikers yeah have you seen that no. it, it's like a Dynasty Warriors crossover oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like Hyrule Warriors they do with Zelda it's Persona but it instead of like turn-based combat it's like Dynasty Warriors combat yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's coming to the switch I think it might be apparently it's pretty hard um, which I'm not surprised at but I was thinking it might be something to sort of mindlessly play on yeah, the sofa yeah.
1: they've got a couple of those kind of spinoffs they did like a dancing one I know that <laughs> I'm not going to play that which, <laughs> which are, <laughs> I unless, unless I'm on a date <laughs> <laughs>
0: Could you match with someone on Tinder and multiplayer uh, Persona 5 dancing with yeah, them? Maybe. I assume that's what it's called. <laughs> Persona 5, colon, but it's dancing. Maybe
1: maybe I'll start a completely different podcast, uh, how to get a girlfriend through video games. You're an expert, mate. Yeah, completely. <laughs> <laughs> My last point on Persona though is definitely on the story. I think the story is amazing. I think it touches into some really yeah. dark themes that completely contrast with the the soundtrack, the look of the game, but it's not entirely jarring. It's like, it's given to you in sort of like through devices, such as the main, one of the main characters, Morgana, who's a cat that can turn into a van, (laughs) Yeah, but but it's, you know, like pedophile teachers and how they view um, the females and the males in the school and you go into their mind and it gives a really interesting uh, look into how those people sort of look at things you know
0: yeah i i've really enjoyed it so far and i think i i want to see where it goes yeah but i I, i'm playing a bunch of games at the minute i need to kind of get back into it and start chipping away at it yeah it's hard life being a video game professional anyway what's yours Mm. what's your number four yeah so my uh my number four is uh resident evil 2 remake Mm. which uh I don't know. I just loved it. (laughs) I I keep thinking like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to come out with all my really thoughtful opinions about these games. And the only thing I can really say about any of them is that, oh yeah, I really liked it. No, I I
1: think Resident Evil 2 is, I I don't have a lot to say about this either, but it's really
0: fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) So I had like a weird traumatic experience with Resident Evil when I was a kid, where I like, I used to go to my parents' friend's house and he was this guy who had like loads of pirated games and he had uh resident evil three uh on for his chipped ps1 Mm. and uh i remember i have like a like a like a vague memory of like being out like my parents letting me play on it Mm. and then just having like nightmares for a week and after that i just never played a resident evil game again so the the remake I saw the trailer for the remake and I was like, Jesus, that looks incredible. Um, Picked it up on release day, um, tried playing it. And like, I just couldn't get past like, I think I maybe got to where Mr. X shows up. Yeah, I remember you getting it. And then I just packed it in. Actually, no, I think you got,
1: you got just into the sewers, I think. Maybe. Uh, I didn't,
0: I don't feel like I got that far into it though. I, I couldn't play it. I, I couldn't play it. I I it scared me too much. And I don't, this is, the thing is weird. I don't get scared by anything. I don't get scared by horror. I love horror films. I don't find horror films scary, mm. but there was just something really anxiety inducing about being like trapped in a claustrophobic corridor with no lights, mm. having this like, creature ambling towards you that you just can't kill like you shoot it in the head like six times you've only got eight bullets it doesn't <laughs> die and then at the other end of the corridor there's like this 10 foot man with a little fedora on just yeah, coming yeah. For you. it was so fucking like i couldn't deal with it yeah so I, I spent months getting i got really obsessed with watching speed runners mm. beat the game in like I think I watched there was an IGN video where there was the developers react to uh, speedrunners beating Resident Evil oh, in like okay, half an yeah. hour. <laughs> and that sort of spurred me on to go back to it. I don't,
1: know about, I don't know if I'd use the word spurred. I think I'd use the word inspired.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> It was a deeply inspirational because moment.
1: if you skip all the way to the end, you were very much uh, completing the game in similar amounts of time after you'd already finished it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On your first play, like blind playthrough, you could probably beat it in like 10 to 15 hours. Mm-hmm. I've put over 80 hours into Resident Evil 2. <laughs> and bear in mind, like every playthrough after that gets incrementally smaller as you just sort of naturally learn how to get through yeah, it quicker. Yeah. And I I've like, I've like beaten all of the campaigns on S rank just so I could get like the infinite rocket launcher. That was my goal. That was the only reason I kept playing it. I was like, I want the infinite rocket launcher. <laughs> so I can just sort of run through the game. Yeah. Which is really funny and really satisfying once you've got it. To the point where like, spoilers. Spoiler alert. But final boss uh on Leon's playthrough is Mr. X and you've basically got to survive until ada throws you the rocket launcher but at the start of the boss fight you've already got the <laughs> rocket launcher So, so you, you just walk onto the platform like shoot one rocket at him and he just explodes <laughs> and that's it that's the boss fight
1: it was so i love it. so satisfying I love that a game that starts so terrifying gets so ridiculous the more you play it to the point where you're like it's you swap around, like you become this like, I'm scared to like go around corners. Like you said, you couldn't even play it. You couldn't continue. Yeah. for And you didn't go back to it for a few months. But when you're replaying it, you actually just start just like taking the uh, hell out of the mechanics. You're just like, well, I've got an RPG. I've got yeah. this. If if our zombies come around the corner in a minute, I'll just skip past
0: him. It's like it, the whole thing becomes yeah. like almost comical. Yeah. It like a farce. <laughs> you can just sprint past like, a lot of the zombies, I think like there's certain bits because there's a lot of backtracking in it. There's bits where you have to kill <clears throat> zombies. Otherwise you're going to come back and there's going to be that one plus another one mm. that spawns at that point in the game. But a lot of the time you can just sort of run through kneecap them. So like they're on the floor and they can't get you as easily, mm. but it's, it's immensely satisfying. I have like a bit of a weird obsession with the concept of speed running and I, I can't speed run games myself. like, even my fastest playthrough on resident evil 2 was just like barely enough to get the s rank Mm -hmm. like there are people who can beat it in like 25 minutes (laughs) like i can't do that i think um yeah, I
1: think it's a. I think it's a really good game. I love that the mods also take that into account. You see the mods where it's like Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. X is Thomas the Tank Engine. He's just like chewing <laughs> towards. You.
0: And it's they've they've modded the Thomas the Tank Engine music into yeah. it as well. So and it, and it fades in as he gets closer to you. So it's like you hear it vaguely, and the door swings open. It's like doo, 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 doo. <laughs>
1: It's so funny. It's so good um but i i don't know i think that game's i think that game is amazing i think it completely outshone resident evil 3 um to a, a vast degree i think and I, I love the fact that you can replay it so much it's so deep it's yeah. got four main campaigns that you can play probably three four times each i remember you texting me at one point as probably the last note of resident evil 2 being like oh i was like what you doing today you were like oh i'm just about to do a, a claire claire play from resident evil 2 um uh on really hard and i was like haven't you already done that and you were just like yeah but i'll see you see how quick i can do it i was just like mate well, <laughs> friday afternoon what are you doing <laughs> yeah you even did all the tofu runs
0: as well didn't you yeah, the, the, the tofu run. I did the tofu run. Was amazing. I loved. Which, that. by the way, by so the way, funny. to any listeners
1: who haven't played Resident Evil Two, you go from one side of the entire game to the other as a piece of tofu.
0: <laughs> it's so difficult as
1: well. <laughs> but there's different types of tofu's with different names and like unique sets yeah. of weapons.
0: <laughs> I didn't do. I didn't do it as every tofu. I just did it as the main one. It's like the yeah. That that was actually probably my favorite bit of the game. <laughs> not not the tofu run, but the one before that where you play players I can't remember what you call it. Oh the guy in like that Chernobyl
1: sort of outfit.
0: Yeah, he's like a he's like a an umbrella like militia guy wearing like a gas mask. And uh you start off in the sewers and it's basically you've got to escape um you've got to escape the RPD before it gets nuked, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a sprint through the sewers through the entire game map with like all sorts of things like just being thrown at you and you've mm. got to get through it in like 10 minutes mm. and it's it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And then that unlocks the same thing <laughs> but you play as a tofu. <laughs> yeah, there we have it. Resident Evil 2, the never-ending giver of video games. So uh, moving on to number three. We've, We've got the same number three. Do you we know? have, yeah. Uh, it's uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I wanted to say it. It's Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, Sorry, you say it. Go on. <laughs> Hang on. So uh, moving on to number three, uh, what is it, Matthew? Everyone, it's Red Dead Redemption Two. <laughs> well done, you did it, mate. Oh, you did I'm so it. So
1: proud of myself. I said it. It was me. A um, Very, very good game. This one, I think. Yeah, it's it's
0: incredible. I think um, I've,
1: if I was to if if I was to um, summarize this super shortly, I'd say that it's like one of my favourite stories of like any media yeah same, same uh, definitely. it's one of my favorite <laughs> stories of course books film tv like everything it's just one it's it i couldn't stop playing it i never wanted it to end like
0: yeah it, it and when it did end i stopped playing it yeah. like it, it is very much a game that is it's the story is uh the focus I don't, I don't love it for its gameplay. There was, it had its, you have really interesting interactions in the world and at times it could be really, really funny. Just some of the weird shit that you would find, Mm. but like the story is just like an absolute masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. I I completely agree. I'd say Arthur Morgan is potentially my favorite video game character now. Yeah, definitely. Especially in terms of
1: like, maybe not. I mean, yeah, he's, he's kind of it's kind of relatable on a lot of levels, and I think he's so deep that you definitely can find something in him that you you can personally relate to. Um, but it but it doesn't stand out as necessarily like an iconic video game character in the same way that you know, say, like Nintendo has its zeldas and things like that. it's not it's not that kind of thing yeah but you sort of weirdly end up seeing him as like a friend like that's my mate yeah Arthur. totally
0: because <laughs> like, that's the thing like with most rockstar games like part of the the, the fun like the rockstar open world games part of the fun is just causing havoc in like the open world and seeing what was happening but the soon as it sort of uh it became obvious that the way that you were behaving was affecting not just like the way the people in the world perceived you, but also the potential sort of outcome for Arthur. Uh, I I started doing good things yeah. because you really felt um, Arthur's remorse for the way that he lived his life. Yeah, absolutely. Early on in the game, you like debt collect from a guy who like can't afford it and his wife and child end up destitute and you find them later in the game. And she's like, the w- the wife has become like a prostitute and like, they're like, they're doing really badly. And then at this point, Arthur's like on his path to redemption mm. and he decides he's going to help them. Mm. And like, they don't trust him, rightfully so because he like ruined their lives. But you can really feel the remorse that he has for it where he realizes that he's done really bad things. Yeah, yeah. And like it it really got me emotionally. Like I was playing it and I was like, I just want, I I, like, I love this character. I really want him to at least be redeemed in some way. Yeah. I loved how like,
1: even with that side quest and stuff in particular, how like the acting of, of Arthur was so Hmm. believable and the way he was written and his dialogue. was. it wasn't like, Oh, please can I do this? Like it, it wasn't just going like, please can I do this? I'm sorry. Like, Please yeah. let me do, make, let me make this better for you. It was sort of just like, here's like X amount of money. Like, I don't want it anymore. Like, yeah. if yous don't take it, I'm just going to put it on the side. Like, do what yous want with it, but I'm going. He was sort of yeah. like, still had his like, grounded, old school masculinity uh, character. Where he, was still, yeah. he didn't want to be too soft, but he but he still was trying to do the right thing. You know what I mean? Um I quite yeah. liked that to him because he was so believable. You
0: get the the sense that he knows that he can't really make it right. Yeah. What he did, but he's doing all he can within his means yeah. to at least try and resolve uh some of the damage that he caused in like these people's lives. I don't know, I just I found like the writing to be so um I don't deft and uh thoughtful. It doesn't mm. beat you over the head with it. It's very subtle and I don't know. It's just, it's yeah. just a really like, it. it's, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I think for me as well, like I,
1: I played Red Dead Redemption, uh, what, which by all intents and purposes is the sequel to this game. Mm. Um, And I knew what was happening. I knew where this story was going. Yeah. The hints from very early on. Uh, Alluding ever so slowly to an an inevitable situation, but it still sort of had me completely captivated. Well, I knew sort of where it was going, but it was so well done. And there was so much more depth to that story that I knew was coming from the trailers. That it was, it was almost, well, it was better than the first one for me. It was loads better than the first one. Yeah. uh, Especially from a story point of view. And that's one of the first times I've ever seen that kind of story mechanic happen in media, where they've told the story first, got you really invested in one character and went back and told the story of how it got to that situation from the viewpoint of a different character. And then you end up loving the foot, the original character more. You know what I mean? This might be the best prequel ever made.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's so. Pickles usually aren't very good, but it, it just worked so well for me. I loved it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Did you play the first one
1: after you played Red Dead Redemption
0: Two? No, but I never finished it. All oh, right. Um, I yeah, I never finished the first one. I know what happens at the end. Yeah, I know. I I know the story of it. I've seen all of the sort of big moments in it, but um. I think I may, maybe only got halfway through the first one. Mm. I actually played the zombies expansion. <laughs> oh yeah, Undead Knight. I think I played that before I played the full game as well. That was good that.
1: I was thinking yeah, it was good enough for Red Dead Redemption 2. But I just think I think this story is is worth it's white and gold and like it really needs to be third even though the gameplay and stuff isn't that great we don't really need to go into that but rockstar's mission design is repetitive yeah sometimes completely boring (laughs) (laughs) every mission is kind of the same yeah follow this follow this yellow line half the time like the horse and stuff the horse and stuff just goes along with the line is all you just look at it (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah and it's game design like they're really gonna have to sort of change it up for gta 6 um they can't keep making these games that they're they're just the same in terms of gameplay every time because at the end of the day like you are playing a game it does have to be entertaining to sort of be in in between the story beats and i think that was the thing that made me put it third was that the plot was amazing but as soon as the Arthur story ended, I had no reason to kind of go back to it. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I texted you about this earlier. I originally had this second and then as yeah. I started typing my thoughts, um, so I knew where I was going here. Like it just didn't make sense to be ahead of what I've put second. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, there's no way, like, you know, we talk about personal tasting how we feel about games so
0: there's no way that it's better than what I've put second yeah, <laughs> yeah just like objectively you, you, yeah I agree as well I'd, I mean what 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 you've put second is my number one so I guess we'll hold off on saying what that is until until we get to it but I looked at that and I thought no way <laughs> well personal test. we'll personal get that taste. won't we <laughs> you're you're allowed your opinion but your opinion is wrong <laughs> <laughs> it can't,
1: it can't be wrong. I think we're teasing the rest of the podcast we made a podcast. It, yeah. This, this next two decisions can't be wrong for me. If WhatsApp number one made me feel the way it made me feel, because I've never ever been so overwhelmed by something in my life that I almost mm. lose my senses. I was like, I just couldn't even see, I could not even hear. You
0: were blind from playing your number one game. Yeah,
1: I was like, this is sensory overload to to a point where I've never experienced in my entire life. I was like, it was maximum satisfaction.
0: DMT the game. (laughs) 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 Well, we'll get to that. Um, So yeah, that was Red Dead Redemption 2 at uh, number three. Mm, Your number two is my number one. So we'll also skip over that one and have a discussion about that when we get to our number ones. So my number two um, is Bloodborne. It's a really good game, that, isn't it?
1: I absolutely love it, and I really wanted to put this in my top five, but I got burgled when I was playing Bloodborne. I was right at the (laughs) end, so I didn't actually finish it. (laughs) Don't laugh at me getting burgled. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so Bloodborne and my PlayStation 4 at the time and all of my other games all got stolen uh and I never tragic. got them back. So I had to buy another PlayStation and then sort of buy um games and there was new games coming out and I never really got Bloodborne back for a few months. So I just lost mm. my way with it when I was about 80% of the way through and at that point this game gets very complex especially in terms of like the plot and stuff which I was really interested in at the time. I just I just couldn't get back back to it. And I yeah. haven't done, I've never finished it. I want to replay it and I will, I will do. Um, but I, did, I didn't I did finish it, so I don't think I can really put this in my top five. But I think if I finished it, it'd be clear yeah.
0: somewhere. I think one of the most interesting things about Bloodborne is that the DLC is maybe the best part of the entire game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how controversial that is, but I I loved the DLC. The game itself is just incredible, but... The main reason I sort of play the Souls games is for the bosses, and Bloodborne has some amazing bosses. But some of the bosses that are in the main game aren't that great, and the ones in the DLC are just like, like Chef's Kiss, like more, like just amazing. Mm. But yeah, it's one of those games where people talk about the PS4 generation. It always gets brought up as like one of the best games, but it doesn't seem like a oh, like a ton of people have played them in the same way, like Red Dead Redemption no. Two or like. Animal Crossing were like huge phenomenons. Like it's it's still sort of a niche. Thing. They're really they're really culty. I think they've got such a tight yeah.
1: community. They don't really do like huge huge numbers. Um, yeah,
0: the entire Soul series has sold like thirty million copies worldwide. Mm. Yeah, they're they're still hugely popular. But mm. I think Bloodborne. I had I really struggled between this and my number one, which one I liked more. But I felt like Bloodborne's very. It's it's a gamey game. Hmm. like the plot and stuff's not that it's it's interesting and deep if you want to delve into it but it's not important if you don't it's very much just about the gameplay and then like the cultist sort of attitude of getting really good at fighting the bosses whereas like my number one it has like the full package in my opinion so i felt like bloodborne had to go second yeah i mean i think i think for me
1: bloodborne deserves that spot um, in anyone's list but on another day this could have been in, in mine easily but I think I, I really love the visceral nature of it the visual element of it is yeah. so it's so beautiful and it's so unique like I've never I've never looked at a video game and when I started playing it that was because essentially it's, it's a Souls game you know and I played yeah. these for years before Bloodborne came out so the gameplay to me was just it's just another Souls game um, but the, the the visuals were just absolutely incredible and like werewolves and gothic like castles and um, it was just completely beautiful. Yeah. Um, it has
0: this really weird atmosphere to it. Like there is some sort of like malevolent presence just behind you at all times. Like mm. you never feel safe in it. It's just so like, oh. especially I think as they start to sort of
1: see very uh, obtuse sci-fi into it as well. Yeah, you sort of wouldn't expect it. Well, you wouldn't expect it going from the start because so it looks like a werewolf, gothic horror sort of style game. Yeah,
0: um, it tips into like um, into like Lovecraftian sort of like cosmic horror yeah. in a way that's like makes perfect sense within like the aesthetic of the world, but also seems a little unexpected. Like there's one, but I I don't want to spoil it. It's one of those games where it's like. It's kind of difficult to spoil because it's so hard to explain what's going on in it. Yeah. But I also would hate for anybody to play it and know what's about to happen. Mm. So I don't want to kind of give anything away except there's like one boss in particular that like there is a turning point in the game where you suddenly see this like crazy cosmic shit and you're like, oh what is happening here? <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's so good. Yeah, it's it's an amazing game. It's completely incredible. Um, and I don't. I think it. I've. I think Dark Souls three for me tips it a little bit. Maybe because I have finished most of it, and I thought the main game's bosses were a lot better uh, for my personal tests. Mm. Dark Souls to me, Dark Souls three was the epitome of celebration of um, Soulsborne to that point. It was almost yeah. like the greatest hits of Dark Souls and Bloodborne because it had loads yeah, of Bloodborne is. elements. It moved Bloodborne was so successful that it was like we can't not have that in it. Yeah. Um. But Bloodborne paved the way for that game being the celebration, and there was there was a reason why Bloodborne being so important driven Dark Souls. Dark Souls finale in the trilogy to yeah. go where it did, you know. So I think yeah, it's it's definitely. massively important.
0: Cool, cool. So we're at our. We're at our number ones. Um, no, I'm on my number two. Yeah. We're, we're at my number one. No, I'm getting confused. My number two. <laughs> right, your number two was my number one. So.
1: Start again. Say, so what's your number two? Edit what? this bit out. Just go into no Nah, I'm not editing two. this out.
0: What do you mean? <laughs> I'm keeping this in me. <laughs> this is staying in. Give the people what they want. What if I just swear? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. How do you want to do this? Your number one. Do you want to do that after we talk about my number one, which is your number two? Oh, I get I get what you mean. I get because I mean. haven't played your number one yet. It's installed on my PlayStation, and yeah, I, it's I ready it. to be played, but I haven't played it yet. I get you. Okay. So my number one, your my, number one. My
1: favourite game of <laughs> of the last generation uh, was Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> Whoa! Whee!
0: Fans screaming across the world. <laughs>
1: Whoa, I'm going to edit in
0: some like stadium crowds, like All of our, all, all of our listeners
1: have just like lit their pitchforks. They're like, coming for me. Final Fantasy it's Seven, fucking, you're having a laugh.
0: They haven't made it this far in. They've like, they switched off a long time ago. <laughs> they they heard the
1: accents and they were like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> they, switched, they switched off half, halfway through Demon Souls. <laughs> yeah. If they even got that far.
0: Um,
1: but my, my number one is Final Fantasy Seven Remake and I absolutely love Final Fantasy VII. It's probably one of my favourite things of all time. Yeah, <laughs> I, lo- I love it more than family. And friends, how do you think no it?
0: How do you feel it stacks up to the original? I think it's a, I think it's a proper swan song
1: love letter. I think it's amazing. I got it. Proper, it proper got me. So, well, I think when I used to, I used to play Final Fantasy VII when I was probably like seven, mm. and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I loved it so much. I used to sit it with my VHS like combo box TV and just play it. I used to wait for my nana to go to sleep and then uh, <laughs> start playing it. I play it like all night. Yeah. Um, and I go back, I'd go to school the next day. I don't know how I functioned. Um, and I just couldn't get enough of it. It was well, obviously, obviously not well enough. That's why we're doing a podcast. <laughs> 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 um, but this Final Fantasy VII, I, I actually have replayed since then, probably I'd say every two years of my life. Yeah. All the way Fucking through. hell. Um, so I must have played the original Final Fantasy VII. Mm. And does that hold up? No, it, to to me it does because I used to play it back then. It's it's one of it's it's one it's the first three D like world game. Mm. It's the first game that moved into that sort of territory, and paved the way for a lot of like Grand Theft Autos of the day all the way down to your Red Dead Redemption 2's you know Yeah. it's the first game to, to go that route and it cost a fortune to make which was unheard of at the time mm. Um, but I didn't understand that at the time I just loved the world it's a steampunk cyberpunk world with people with swords and the music is so so good the music's like unbelievably good where I was listening to the original soundtrack like all the time yeah until this new one came out but this new game it's it's everything it's like everything I wanted for like 15 years Mm. I know people I know people from school and people like from online podcasting communities and things like this were were also like Final Fantasy and everyone has always been like I hope one day they remake Final Fantasy 7 it's been like a unanimous wish within that sort of community for years and when it happened and the trailers and stuff dropped, it's just like, oh my god, it is coming. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't think it would be that good. I was like, it can't possibly live up to the expectation. It can't it can't yeah. deliver.
0: I mean the Final Fantasy series had kind of taken a bit of a like downturn as well, hadn't it? Yeah. Like people weren't digging the sort of like fifteen and was fourteen that was like a massive that was like an MMO that Oh, I was into fourteen. It well, was successful, but... Didn't that sort of claw itself, its reputation back though over time? I have a point about that in my uh, honourable mention. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> okay. We'll get to that later. <laughs> I'm on Final Fantasy VII. Um, but this game, like, it has a the scale of the city of Midgar. So it's actually mm. only in the first six hours of the original game, which is a 40-hour game. Yeah. And they've made the original six hours a 40-hour game remade that's nuts to me that they've done that <laughs> it's but the, the sheer scale and world expanding nature of a game that people have loved for years is like completely admirable i think it's amazing mm. and when you compare the the first cutscene of the original game to the new one it's just like whoa you could like the sense of scale in the city matches up to now the, the technology of nowadays Mm. Whereas that, that cutscene back in the day held, held well up to its own because it was the first of its nature. So I was like, whoa, look at that. It's like an actual little city. Whereas now it's, it looks so much bigger. I remember this new cutscene the they started it different. So they started it with a lot of the music and things from like some of the spin off films, which I'm also a huge fan of. Yeah, and it was a bit like, oh, where's this going? Like, this isn't this isn't the start of the original game. Like, and then it's it breaks into it, and just like two notes from the first, like sc- the score of the original intro was enough, and I was just like, whoa! I was like, I cannot, I cannot comprehend what I'm seeing. Yeah. And this wasn't even the bit that overdid me, and then the, it expands out and it shows you the city. Spotlight comes over, iconic moment. I was just like, that literally is amazing. I think my hair stood up for like pff, two hours. <laughs> you went super <laughs> sad. <sane. laughs> <laughs> Look like I've been electrocuted. <laughs> but um, it, it tells the same story just with more uh, until mm. it gets to the end. But it's all of the bosses, all of these unique moments, which I lived through as a kid come into life in remade format with like the most beautiful finish and touches to every element of it. The perfect combat system for a Final Fantasy game nowadays, best music, graphics are amazing. It's technically so impressive. Everything you love about the
0: original is there. It's just, it's just overwhelming. (laughs) I can feel the love radiating (laughs) from the screen here. So I, uh, I haven't played it yet. It's installed on, my on my playstation but i I'm a bit sad that I'm not gonna have the nostalgia for it like mm. what you're saying there like the the first cutscene kind of coming in where it opens up and it becomes it kind of like uh leans into the the original like I'm not gonna get that sort of nostalgia rush, so I'm interested mm. to see like how I feel coming off of it after playing it. I mean yeah. everything I've heard. Is that it's amazing? Mm. Maybe it's, even from people who haven't played any of the Final Fantasy games before, so I'm fully expecting to like to love it. Mm. I think it's really it's really easy to love.
1: Yeah, and I'd never expect anyone who hasn't played the originals to love it in the same way because obviously you just don't get that. You know, I'm like at any point in the game, I'm waiting for the thing that I love that's about to happen in two hours, so the build-up pays off. Yeah, and they do little hints to the build-up, and they're sort of like, oh well. That enemy, and it'll show you like bosses in the background and things that are about to come, and you just can't wait to get to it because you yeah. know what music's going to hit, you know where you're going to be, you know what's going to happen haf- after it, yeah. and it's so it's such a good experience to have as someone as a lifelong fan. Um, but I, th- I still think it holds up as a really good game um, for people who haven't played it. I don't know how good. I can't I can't really relate because there is elements of the game where it's like you said, like we're going to get onto my number two and your number one in a minute. That is a really, really good game we're about to talk about. And this game has flaws. Like, there's padding, um, there's some bad side quests, um, there's sections that go on for way, way too long. Yeah. Um, and to the point where when I replayed it, it was just I'd, – I'd be bored. I'd be like, fucking hell. This bit again. I'd have to read because I platinumed it. I had to replay a few chapters a couple of times, and like the third time I was playing some of the chapters, I was like, "Bloody hell, man! This is yeah. This is getting a drag." Um, but for that first playthrough, like it's just it's just incredible. It's incredible scale of storytelling. One of the most iconic stories ever told, and something that changed the interface of an industry,
0: which I love. You know, cool. I'm looking forward to playing it.
1: I hope you eBay. haven't bigged
0: it up too much. Will you ever talk to me again if I hate it?
1: <laughs> nah, I'd accept it. I know <laughs> no, people who don't somewhere. like it. <laughs> I mean, in fact, most people I know don't like Final Fantasy. I don't actually have like many friends who like Final Fantasy. It's always been a very like insular yeah. thing for me. Like it's just it's my thing, and like <laughs>
0: yeah. That's it. Growing up, I had loads of friends who were really into Final Fantasy. I've never been much of an RPG player, and I've never been much into like sort of anime or anything like that i know final fantasy isn't anime but but that it has like a lot of overlap with that sort of style of like storytelling Mm -hmm. and so i've never really given it a real go despite like loads of people i know throughout my life telling me to definitely Mm -hmm. play it but it's only like recently like i've kind of opened up my horizons a bit and like trying games like Persona Five and even like the Souls games, like two years ago, if you told me to play a Souls game, I would have just said like, nah, yeah, yeah. fuck that. So I'm excited to give it a go and uh
1: see yeah, what I think. I think I really love it. There's some there's some parts
0: of it that I know that you'll like when you get to the end and I can be like,
1: did you know that yeah. that's why that happens? And that's really cool. They break a lot of like fourth wall stuff, but in a really interesting way. And sort of address yeah. the fact that the game isn't its future. To end this bit isn't actually going to tell the same story that was originally told. It's it's yeah. starting to deviate, but it does it in the same way we talked about Demon Souls, where the the world and the lore of the world backs up something. It backs up that yeah. the game might has to sort of deviate and struggle away from its original path. And I think that's so interesting. And I don't I don't know if it'll be on my games of the generation list for the next generation because I know the director who does Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that's an absolute disaster for making obtuse farcical storylines and i'm very worried about it but for now like it's stood it's test of time is like a really important part of the game for me so
0: okay so uh moving on to uh the final one the final game of the generation that we're going to be talking about this is uh my number one it's been game hyped as a, a game of
1: contention for a couple
0: of games over the last uh Fifteen minutes. I know. God knows. I don't even know how many times I've said it's my number one and your number two. <laughs> it's probably about five or six times. I'll say it once more, just for good measure. This is my <laughs> number one and Matthew's number two. The game of the generation for me um, is God of War. Very, very credible.
1: God of whoa, War. Kratos, woo! Whoa! Yeah.
0: He's so strong. Whoa!
1: Whoa.
0: I loved it um, because. Every time I played it, I couldn't help but walk around the house just going, boy. <laughs> over and over and over again. And anytime anybody tried to talk to me, I'd just be like, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah, man. I fucking I love God of War. Um, and it was the first God of War game I'd played. I know it was, it's kind of it's a big departure from the style of the other. Uh, God of War games, yeah. both in like tone and yeah, gameplay. This is complete
1: this is just a different game. This might as well be a, a restart, I reckon.
0: It is. It's a it's a soft reboot, mm. isn't it? Um but it just like for me it just has it has everything. Like it has an incredible story. It has beautiful graphics. The music is so good in it. The the sort of like weird like throat singing mm. and stuff that you get in the soundtrack is just like sets the tone perfectly Mm. and uh and the combat i just loved the combat
1: yeah i think i think this game is like incredible if there was a game that and someone said to me i'm just buying a playstation 4 like what game can i get i'd say get god of war it's the best yeah it is the best game (laughs) It's not better than Final Fantasy 7 for me, but that's for personal reasons. But it's it's by far the best game on of the last generation. It, it does it does almost everything beyond perfectly. Like it, it out yeah. it outshines itself like as as you get through the game. It doesn't it doesn't stay the same. You don't stick to the same routines in the combat. You find new things, you explore with it, every part of it's fun. There's nothing that you really don't want to do, especially in the combat, you know. There's none of Atreus' uh, yeah. moves and abilities that you don't want to use. There's none of Kratos' many abilities
0: that you don't want to use. You like almost want them all. <laughs> it's it's built in a way where, like, as it progresses, you have to use all of the <clears throat> tactics that are at your disposal. Like otherwise, especially if you want to kind of go beyond the main story and beat all the Valkyrie yeah. bosses, like you won't be able to do that unless you've like mastered using Atreus in a fight using all of the different moves that you've got at your disposal. Mm. And I mean, I think one thing, I I, uh, I booted it up recently just to see how it ran on my PS5. And I, after playing all the Souls games, I was struck by how sort of awkward the camera angle yeah. is now. When I first played it, it didn't bother me. But now constantly having just over the shoulder and not having much of a sense of what's behind you, I found a little jarring. But I think that's like, that might be the only criticism yeah. I have for it. Um, because I just, I just thought it was <clears throat> yeah. so good. I loved. I think I loved the
1: world itself more than the combat. I think I loved, mm. I loved the scale of everything, and it, it was surprising because I didn't actually expect that. I mean, I saw the trailers with the world serpent, but the trailer of the world serpent showed him in the fog, so it showed him like it showed how yeah. big he was, and that's size of enemies has always been a thing in God of War, but um, yeah. the world serpent's like an a constant presence within the world that you explore because he is so big. Yeah. So even though his like head is sat on a mountain in the main hub area, you go to a completely different part of the the game and you've travelled a few hours and it's still over there. You know what I mean? It's like he's wrapped around the entire world. Yeah. It's and it it really captivates your imagination. If it, he definitely is bigger than <laughs> I think he. um, He's, I mean, he's the epitome of the scale, but it doesn't really stop there, and I think it really throws me back to like sort of never-ending story and the the imagination of watching something like that as a kid. Um, even when you go to Freya's little house after you, after you yeah. do the frog, the frog, the pig, this is all very early on. Um, she takes you to a house and you sort of see a tree and it looks like a little um, hobbit house. Uh, and you sort of like, oh, this yeah. is good. After you've hunted you, the when you're walking towards it, and um, <laughs> and then this turtle comes out of the ground, and it's just like that moment to me set set a standard in the rest of the game that was again outpassed by what was what else was to come. Yeah, because I was just like, look at this. I was like, I I like, had to stop and just be like, this is amazing. Whilst this like turtle came out the floor in real time, and then just sort of
0: existed, and she got into a house. It's just it's just yeah. so beautiful. I'm a I'm a real sucker for like father-son kind of stories as well. I, I don't know mm. why, but I just there's something about I mean, again, I have not played the other you know, God of War games, but I mean everybody sort of vaguely is vaguely acquainted with like Kratos is supposed to be like the image of like the epitome of like toxic masculinity yeah. and as traditionally not being a likable character and I think it's a really interesting way to pivot away from that continue the series and reframe him as like a father who's like struggling to open up to his like son emotionally Mm -hmm. and just like the writing in the ways that in like the absence of words is like brilliant like you'll have like a moment where they're looking out over like a a vista and atreus is upset about something and you see from behind them kratos wants to sort of comfort him and touches his his shoulder but then his own sort of sense of like male pride stops him from doing that and it's just like in just like the subtleties of like those little moments that really make the game what it is and absolutely and
1: i think it's Gets so the character arc of that Kratos as a father really develops, and he becomes like infinitely protective by the end, like proudly protective, and it almost becomes at his own detriment, where you know he kicks back into his old ways because he has absolutely no no say in what's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just going to talk about (laughs) spoilers, but like the time when the time when Atreus almost uh, almost dies, and the world starts. storming and Thor's on his way and all of the, the, the world's just coming together. It's, it's chaos. It feels like the apocalypse yeah. because these, these individual people, um, even Kratos, he, he is a God, but he's, he's not the same as Thor and things like that. But Atreus has his powers. It's just, it changes the world. Um, yeah. And when you're in those moments where Kratos are just like, I need to just go back to my ways because I have no, I have nothing else to do. He's, he's got to go to hell. And he's just like, I'm yeah. going to go get my blades. That moment to me when he went and got them, I was just like,
0: See, even not playing the other, Even not playing the other games, I got goosebumps just at the... The way that the game is so good at setting the tone and ah, oh, I mean, man, if you remember, such a like, good game.
1: Well, I mean, you hadn't played the originals, but they were always very red and like all of your weapons were like sort of fiery and aggressive. Yeah, and this game was quite—it was quite pale at the start. It's it's icy. It's calm. It's snowy yeah. and cold looking. And it's it's yeah. it's got it's co- it's cozy. You know, there's elements of like little houses and. Stuff like this, but once that that moment happens in the game, like everything goes a bit towards what it used to be, and he's he's got the blades, and everything's gone red, and there's fire everywhere, and he's angry, and he'll stop at nothing to like to save a traitor. But he's also like a bit composed. It's just so it's, yeah. It's just an amazing story. But it's, it doesn't it, even just saying all that stuff about the story sells it short because the entire thing is is incredible.
0: Everything it does, it does mm. well. It's stunning that a game can pull up because usually it's like you get a game like Red Dead. It's got a great story, but the gameplay is like a bit, like, but it doesn't matter because the story carries the game. Or like the other way around with like a Bloodborne, where the gameplay is great, the story is not really that yeah, yeah. present. It's there if you want to find it, but it's not the kind of emphasis. But God of War kind of pulls all of that together and does all of it really, really yeah. well. Um, and it's it's it's. One of the uh, the two games I've ever platinumed because I just I could just play it and play it and play it. I find my only criticism
1: of God of War is that uh, I didn't think there was that much enemy variety. You know, I found myself like fighting yeah. the same. What um, do like they call it? Like the big trolls.
0: Yeah, the mini boss variety. It's, like another pretty... color comes through the wall, and then there's two of them, and it's yeah. just like, oh come on. It's one of those games where it it tends to, uh, and I don't typically love this, but I think because I feel that the combat feels so good in God of War, so like weighty, you really feel it through the controller and the sound design when you're playing it. I don't mind just tearing through hordes and hordes of enemies, Mm. whereas in other games I typically don't like the difficulty being cranked up by just having more thrown at you. Mm. But I think maybe where God of War trips up a little bit is that some of the most interesting combat challenges, which for me were the the Valkyrie bosses, which actually require like precision in the way that you play, they're totally optional. And I think most people who kind of pick up a game and just do the main story and leave everything else won't even try to fight them. I couldn't do the Valkyrie Queen. She's so difficult. It took me a long time to be her. Uh, Cause it's, it's, she's all of the Valkyries yeah. in one. She has like all of the moves, of like all of the Valkyries. So you need to, and you, every move has a very specific, you have to re- respond to each move, like, in a specific way in order to not yeah. die. <laughs> so you have to, like, basically memorize the entire move set of all the Valkyries yeah. just, <laughs> just to yeah. win. The Valkyrie Queen basically, but- like,
1: almost doubles up as, like, a really hard Souls boss. It felt like that as well. Yeah. Because I played Souls games before yeah. God of War. So when I played God of War, that was the point where it started to feel quite Dark Soulsy. y I And mean, it's still yeah. really good, but it was really hard. And the Valkyrie Queen, especially, she was, she was so hard. I just couldn't do it. I just give up. I thought I'd go back to it. And then every time I was going back to it for a couple of weeks, I I was playing it as well as
0: I could be. I
1: couldn't beat her. I I was trying everything.
0: I was, I was, I I regularly would set my alarm at six o'clock in the morning so I could play it before I went (laughs) to work. And I actually think I beat the Valkyrie Queen at like seven o'clock in the morning, like in my work clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a like a hard hat and, a, and some overalls because in Newcastle, we all work doing yeah. the pit. <laughs> I was waiting for my shift doing the pit to start. <laughs> you know. what, what was your favorite moment in it? Was there a standout moment? I love the fight with the stranger at the yeah. beginning. It's so well done because you can feel kratos like desperation to make sure that he doesn't discover a trace yeah. but at the same time he's maintaining that sort of like um stony composure trying to remain intimidating mm-hmm. to him and then like the fight itself is just like this epic like cinematic like three or four stage yeah. fight and it's it's not particularly hard but it's just really, really enjoyable. And you're like, you're just like smashing his head off like <laughs> rocks and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like,
1: the, the thing that I liked about that uh, boss fight was that as someone who played God of War 1, 2, and 3, it was a boss fight that wasn't like old boss fights in God of War where it's just smash, 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 stuff going on all over yeah. the screen, like scale and um and brutality for the sake of it. It was quite calculated and quite human. In the sense that these two these two people yeah. um, stand up to gods in the world that they exist in, but they're they're slow, methodical, and almost feel quite human-like until they do a certain thing, like throw the other person across across a field, and they break a house, yeah. like, and it happens like just just nice and sporadically enough for every moment to be completely impactful.
0: You know, like have you seen Man of Steel, yeah, yeah you know the end of man of steel where it's like it's just a city being leveled and it's just so such like an overload of like stimulation visually that you can't even process it anymore and you end up feeling nothing it's like god of war could have veered into that quite easily Mm. and it just managed to kind of maintain just enough restraint that you really feel like the weight and the strength of like those moments where people are being tossed through giant rocks and having things like dropped on them um and it doesn't become you don't become numb to it definitely
1: not definitely not I mean, having an opening like that, you'd think that you would become numb to it. And obviously you do Yeah, encounter him multiple times and there's not actually that many bosses. but Every boss is phenomenal. Some of the best boss fights cinematically yeah. as well. It's a
0: cinematic game. Just, yeah. just incredible. Flawless. Yeah. It has in-depth enough gameplay as well where any sort of like quick time event type moments don't feel like a massive intrusion and you don't feel like you're just sat tapping... Square or whatever, when what while the cutscene plays yeah. out, you know, because I kind of I kind of hate that. You have moments like that, but you also have enough like actual mm. gameplay that is involved and requires like some precision mm. that it it keeps you engaged while you're yeah. playing it. It's so, a phenomenal game. Yeah, my game of the generation. It's one of the best games of
1: all time for sure. It's an immaculate game. Definitely. I think if anyone has a PlayStation Four and they haven't played that game, they are stupid as fuck. They're a waste of fucking
0: <laughs> skin. And I'm going to send them <laughs> porn. <laughs> for, the, for the record, by the way, I should probably say this. Don't ever send people por- like unsolicited <laughs> porn. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, it's a horrible thing to do. Don't do it. But if you haven't played God of War, I'm going to send you porn. <laughs> really horrible porn. The worst porn you've ever seen. From the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this horrible, horrible video. <laughs> but yeah, God of War
1: couldn't recommend it enough. I'd almost recommend someone who has like a spare four hundred quid to just go
0: buy a console just to play it. I think feel- it's worth it's worth having a PlayStation just to play God of War. I mean, the thing is with it as well. PS4s they're not that expensive now, are they? Like two hundred quid, and God of War's like like it's regularly in it's fifteen the quid, sales on the PS store. Yeah, so you know. You could pick it up relatively cheap, but I mean, I would have had to guess most people with PlayStations. Especially, especially if they got to
1: this bit of this podcast seven yeah, years down the line. Which we've
0: established most people haven't. They've all turned off by now. <laughs> all four of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think it's time for some honorable mentions because we both started out uh, with a, a top 10 list and looking at how long we've been talking now, it's a good thing we didn't do 10 each because it would have lasted for about four hours. <laughs> so uh, is there any games that didn't quite make your list that you want to kind of give a, a little I nod I'd definitely to? say Dark Souls 3. I toyed with adding this in even ahead mm. of
1: Persona 5. I just, I just think because I played them in the previous generation, I think this game, as I said before, is a celebration of, of all Souls games and, and the bringing in yeah. of Born. They used to be called Souls games, now it's Souls Born as a genre because Bomb was so good. Mm. But this game, for me, had the most immaculate bosses and the epitome of, of the difficulty curve of Dark Souls 3. As far as it was completely phenomenal, visually stunning, really fun to play, Um it was more Dark Souls, but it was incredible. But I also felt like, as someone who follows the Dark Souls community through different podcasts and things like that, I felt like this was the point of the Dark Souls community when it was at its most, its highest, where people were like really engaging with each other. And Sekiro seemed to quieten it down a little bit, I thought. From what I'd seen, from what I've seen in communities, I think Sekiro sort of quietened the hype yeah. down of these games. Dark Souls 3 was the peak of it, and... When I came down to Brighton, I remember i made in Dark Brighton on a whim, and i just finished Dark Souls three, um, and I I was actually looking for people who are part of these like communities who because I just wanted friends who played Dark Souls, and I yeah. think that alone is one of the reasons why this game is like super important. And uh, I actually did I went I went on little like mate dates with people, like five of us got together and went to this like video game bar, and we played uh, Dark Souls the board game. I never seen him again, which is a bit of a shame because there, there was sound. But um, but yeah, I sort of feel like it's a bit weird as well because I left Newcastle being like, oh, no one in Newcastle likes fucking Dark Souls. I was the reason why I left, but I had an opinion like that. And then you've started playing it. Now I've went to the other side of the fucking country. And now everyone in Newcastle likes Dark Souls because of me. But it, um, it's, just, it's, it's just an amazing game. Full of fire and
0: ice and and beautiful bosses and other things, um, yeah, I fucking love Dark Souls three it gotta say I didn't love the mm. d l c um there were bosses in the d l c that I really, really enjoyed Sister Freed did you get as far as Sister Because no, no I, I think Sister Freed is the hardest of all the Dark Souls yeah. bosses. I hate that boss, <laughs> fuck that boss. <laughs> i hate it (laughs) i could honestly i i I was tearing my hair out of that one but apart from that yeah i fucking love dark souls 3 um did you do did you do um
1: what's he called uh uh, the one who's like supposed to be gwyn is it the dragon rider something like that dark souls 3 and the hidden set. the hidden
0: hidden one nameless king yeah yeah nameless king yeah yeah did you do quite easily uh, no, I wouldn't it say was it it solid. easily. He took me months. It was hard. He took me months. It was hard, but I think I maybe beat him around ten Mad. attempts. I honestly think that took me a hundred plus tr- attempts. I would. It was hard, but it was definitely a difficult one. I don't think it was the hardest one in the game. I had a much harder time with um, Lothric and Laurie, oh, the yeah, brothers. Yeah. Oh my god, that was. That was, for me, in the main game, that was the hardest Mm -hmm. boss. I I found that boss I don't know how, but I think I
1: managed to beat him quite quickly. Um, It's just like, that is what it's like with Dark Souls, isn't it? It's like some people have really hard ones, and then people are like, oh, I did it quite quickly.
0: Yeah, I think it depends how you play the game. Like, some of the bosses that I've found really easily, I've seen other people saying that they're really hard, and then a lot, like, the other way Mm -hmm. around. Like, Lothric and Lorian, I don't think people generally online regard those as one of the hard as some of the hardest bosses in the game. But for me, I it was so difficult. I actually discovered while I was playing Sekiro that I wasn't playing um on game mode on my TV. <laughs> so I was definitely experiencing like some input oh, lag, yeah. which <laughs> might explain why I was having such a hard time with Sister Fried, because what I don't <laughs> like about her is that she moves with the speed of a bloodborne boss. Mm but it's Dark Souls 3. Like, Dark Souls 3 is faster than Dark Souls, but it's not quite at the speed of Bloodborne. Yeah. And she's she's basically like Lady Maria from Bloodborne. And uh, and I don't think it's really hard to react quickly enough to her. And she can, like, kill you in, like, two hits mm-hmm. or something. So it, it just drove me up the wall. And it's a three-stage boss as well. So you get... You get through the second phase, like you almost never have three stage bosses in Souls games. So you get through the second phase, you think, oh, I've done Mm. this. And then there's another phase, and it gets even harder. And it's just, it was stressful. I think I gave myself a cold sore (laughs) (laughs) from trying to beat that boss. That just really upset me. So uh, any more honorable mentions? Any, anything else you want to... I want to quickly mention Alien Isolation because I think
1: that's the most terrifying mm. thing I've ever experienced in my life.
0: That is a game that I keep meaning to get and still it's have never Terrifying! Played. I
1: actually played it last year and it still holds up, so you should, you should play it. Yeah. I mean, the second half of the game is terrible, so don't, don't worry about completing it. Just play it just to experience it. Yeah. It is terrifying so so scary and actually like in, inspired the way resident evil 2 works with mr x because he wasn't really yeah. he didn't act like that in the original games he wasn't like randomly yeah. just always in the world you could always hear him but alien isolation the, the alien the xenomorph there's only one of them there's really any other enemies they have um sort of the androids but they're a bit pointless and those sections are a bit boring but whenever the aliens are round like it can go anywhere it's like you've put headphones on you can hear it like above you in the vents um mm. whilst you're trying to get to like a phone and it goes through the through the um manholes and stuff that you can go through and it's terrifying. This moment's it, it's got such a an incredible AI that it, it can do anything it wants to do, and it's so random or yeah. so believable. Where like if you can't figure it out, there's no right way to do it. If it's walking down the a corridor and you're like, right, I'll gamble it. I need to follow it a bit, then cut left. It could just be like i fancy turning around you <laughs> know i mean it could yeah you yeah you're like it. at any moment that alien could just turn around and see you it's so real but it's it was terrifying it was paralyzingly terrifying and i never finished that i got past the bits where the alien was heavy and it sort of leans into other angles and i was just a bit like i can't be bothered to finish this but i think such an incredible horror uh ai that's now inspired resident evil 2 and hopefully the new games and village and things like that. It's like, it deserves a massive mention, I think. Um, I also think as well, it's the best import of atmosphere from a cinema into a game. So mm, the, the world yeah. of the alien and the Nostromo and stuff like that. It's perfect. It's the atmosphere of everything, the smoke, the the look of the ship, everything's yeah. completely, completely right. Couldn't be any better. <laughs> I just wish, I just Class. wish they sort of kept it, either cut it in half Or just kept the first half and just continued?
0: Yeah, I think it's maybe like a bit of a thing that all survival horror games struggle with. You can't really stretch out just atmosphere for a full playthrough of a game. It has to kind of, uh, for the sake of the story, it has to sort of develop and crescendo into something else. And that's often where they kind of stumble. Mm. I think like Resident Evil 2 eventually becomes more of an action game. Resident Evil 7 becomes more of an yeah. action game. Like it kind of has to kind of go in a way where eventually like you can sort of beat this threat. That's just relentlessly hunting yeah. you. Yeah. So. Cause that's the
1: thing. You can't actually beat that alien, you know, the and stuff. They just sort of scare it off. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just an amazing game. Have you got any honorable mentions?
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, I actually of the top five games I've uh, that I made my list. Um, the game that I played the most, Put the most hours into over the entire generation didn't make it into that and that was metal gear solid oh, yeah. five i put 250 hours into metal gear solid five that's mad <laughs> 10 whole days <laughs> uh, i was shocked when i saw that i'd played it that much and i i mean i don't know i just the, the problem with it is that in terms of stealth gameplay, it's like the best a Metal Gear game has ever yeah. played. Uh it it just handles so well. It, but there's the whole thing with the game being unfinished and Konami kind of sacking Kojima before he finished it because he was like racking up an an absurdly high budget. And you can feel it as you progress mm. through the game. It's it's an unfinished mm. game. It doesn't have a comp it doesn't tell a complete, coherent story and after 250 hours of playing it you just feel a bit hollow mm. but while you're playing it you're like this is fucking class and i think it it also lost it lost the sort of quirky charm of like the metal gear solid games that they have in general like the strange wacky sort of sci-fi elements yeah. and this like just the bizarre sort of characters like it just lacked some of that yeah, energy 100%. that Earlier Metal Gear Solid games have, so it was, it was a bit of a disappointment, but I still played it like an absurd amount of it, and I'd still say it was like in my yeah, top ten. It was a
1: massively, it was a fun game. It's a, it's one of the ultimate playgrounds in video games. But I always felt like, um, I've played many of the Metal Gear Solid games for like a couple of years now. I went back and played them, but I've always played them, yeah, uh, throughout my life, and I always loved the consistency between gameplay to cut scenes. And I felt like this one, like every time there was a cut scene, it felt like it was sort of doing its own thing. Like you could watch all the cut scenes in one thing and then play the game, two separate sittings and they make sense as two separate experiences. When you're playing the game and then you're doing like these missions that are sort of just a list. You're getting through a list of missions from the game and then there's just a, a reward cut scene between them that doesn't really make sense in the context of what you're doing in the missions because it's just rescue this person or plant
0: this bomb and destroy this convoy um i think like you you can kind of tell like hideo kojima had never made like an open world mm. game before and it doesn't really cohere like you've got this huge open world which i mean as well feels empty like when you're not on a mission you're kind of like why is this an open world like there's nothing to Mm. do in this um and then the missions themselves don't really feed into the main story in a meaningful way. And the main story event doesn't really go anywhere. It has like a secret ending that you can only unlock by doing replayable like new game plus type versions of the Mm. missions. And the reveal is just a bit like hollow. And as well, you can tell like Kiefer Sutherland cost way too much (laughs) money for them. to get like a decent amount of dialogue from. So like your character, like who punished snake venom snake, who spoilers is revealed to not actually be big boss. Uh, Like you kind of feel like, Oh, that's the narrative justification for the fact you feel like you're just playing this sort of blank avatar instead of snake. But it's just like, it's an unsatisfying way for the entire series to go out on. And I really hope that, somehow konami and kojima can sort of reconcile what happened between Mm -hmm. them and we'll get another metal gear solid game that feels like a real metal gear solid game that incorporates like the fantastic gameplay that metal gear solid 5 has but doesn't lack all of the elements that made metal gear solid what it was i love
1: that this game um it's
0: like Peace Walker and things. Do you ever play Peace Walker? Yeah, I don't really like Peace Walker. I I, it's the only Metal Gear Solid game I haven't but finished. It's, it's like that in those elements of, you know, like the unit building and Mother Base and
1: things like that. It yeah. leans a lot on that. And sometimes it almost feels like, I, I get that they're really unique concepts gameplay wise and maybe Kojima wanted to put that into a triple A title more accessible because people have got the consoles, but yeah. it didn't fit with like a coherent story because you didn't play Peace Walker to know what was going on with the story really. It was a PSP game. It was like something you'd play on your travels and just mess around in a box yeah. and players of other like random characters and stuff.
0: They introduced that with portable ops, which is like one of the, the not very well known mm. ones, um, which was like PS the Metal Gear Solid on the PSP before Peace Walker and that had like unit management and stuff Mm. in it and I don't know like not that I don't like that element of it but there's too much of an emphasis on it and i don't feel like it's sort of gelled with the concept of infiltrating like being a like a solo yeah. op and infiltrating a base like it just doesn't really sort of make yeah. sense in a way and, and it's the, the two the two gameplay elements that feel totally divorced yeah. from each other you've got this like essentially just menu management that allows you to i don't know get some better weapons and get better slightly better armor but I don't feel like you really need that to make the actual sort of like mission based gameplay better. Mm. You know, it just doesn't really add much for me. And, you know, I put an absurd amount of time into it. I did. I got S ranks on every, on every mission in the game.
1: (laughs) But like,
0: (laughs) yeah, but I, I still like, I replayed it again last year uh, in lockdown. I did like a Metal Gear marathon. I played all the Metal Gear Solid games back Mm. to back and I finished at five and just thought, what a disappointment, you know, especially since like Metal Gear Solid 4 was so like operatic in the way that it ended. So, yeah. And then my other honorable mention goes to, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, Mm. um, which again, I just don't really, I don't have a huge amount to say about it. It's just, it's just a really fun, joyous, colorful, happy Mm. game, endlessly creative. And, uh, Yeah i've played I've, i think i've only put about 30 hours into it and i've gotten about 500 of the stars in the game it's just like it's something that you can just put the tv on sit and play mario handheld yeah. on the set e and it just feels really fun and it's a nice sort of change of pace from playing like horrible sort of like violent dark yeah. stuff like bloodborne and yeah yeah, absolutely good crack
1: my uh my last honorable mention was final fantasy 14 which you touched into before and i i feel Mm. like i want to say about this because it's a it's a game i've always had a big soft spot for mmorpgs which is massively multiplayer online role-playing games which are just like big open worlds full of people logged in interacting with each other doing quests like making friends in the areas and going around together just like an alive world but i've never really gotten them too too much probably a good thing because i reckon i could hammer so much time into them i did hammer a lot of time into final fantasy 14 i was looking forward to it mm. with my friends from school who i used to play um games like that back in the day like runescape and when it came out it was terrible it was so yeah. bad like infinitely bad it couldn't be couldn't be any worse it was the menu was terrible. Like it just wasn't a game. Like we talked about Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk's well better than that when it came out. It was it was dreadful. It was so bad, and um, a lot of the community actually stood by it while Square Enix like started having some of the worst financial years of history. Yeah, on the back off the back of a couple of really. Bad Final Fantasy titles as well, which weren't um, commercially successful. So that company looked like it might have been about to sort of come to an end, but they put they put all their resources um, into like a three-year campaign to to rebirth it, and they brought in a new team mm. to just completely redo it, like and not even skin it or you know patch it. It was just a new game, yeah, completely new battle system, yeah, yeah. new engine, new world by some intents and purposes. I didn't know Yeah, it was mental.
0: Like I knew it was like, it wasn't received well and that they sort of clawed it back. I didn't realize it was like that. Metacritic's original scores were like twos
1: and threes. Um, And so whilst, whilst this game was sort of still live and some of the player base, very small, were like still paying for subscriptions, they just got to work building a new game continuing to support the original game and I really like what they did and we've touched into this stuff a couple of times now because the podcast where like games incorporate like the real world uh, happenings business decisions Mm. and stuff like this into like the lore of the game and the original game like ended with this, like, uh, apocalypse, but it was, like, live. It was, like, one of the the first, like, live events within a game. Like, you look at Fortnite and stuff now where they have gigs and things. Yeah, This was, like, an apocalypse that happened live within a game. And it was happened by, like, a a character called Bahamut, which is, like, a god of destruction, which has been a recurring character in Final Fantasy games. And, like, the sky, like, started going red, and there was, like, a red moon that was getting closer and closer. And everyone was, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And they just destroyed it. And incorporated into the law. Where three, um, two months after that, they released. Well, they announced a the realm reborn. So they just cancelled everyone's subscriptions and went like something's happened. They've cancelled the entire game website went off. And then two months later, at E three, announced a realm reborn, where the the law dictated that that happened. So that world was destroyed. And then <laughs> that's so cool. And then five years later the world's starting to sort of rejuvenate and um, all the cities yeah. are all like in ruin, but civilization is starting to find a way. There's positivity and there's a couple of, I can't believe I didn't know yeah, that. It's, a, it's quite like a, <laughs> it's so quite like cool. a small thing. Like people, some people like know that something happened, but there's like documentaries on it. Uh, it's super interesting. Mm. And it came out and it got like nines and tens. And today I checked uh, on my notes about this and, um, it's got 20 million live players currently subscribed 7 years yeah. after it came out. It's the second biggest uh, massively yeah. multiplayer online role-playing game of all time. And you were just talking about Souls selling like 30 million combined units. This game 7 yeah. years later has people who bought the game, four DLCs and have paid like 15 quid a month for 7 years. Yeah, it's a subscription, <laughs> yeah. isn't it?
0: That's- that's nuts.
1: There's like houses in it and stuff. Like people get married and things. People have met people in it. It's so weird, but it's like it's like Habo Hotel. <laughs> it's an incredible <laughs> feat of like business within video games. And Square Enix like took such a gamble and now have delivered like Final Fantasy VII remake to such a high standard because of that. Because it's it's that it's the thing that keeps yeah. that company afloat and has now given them the cash flow to pursue ongoing... To make terrible Avengers games. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's just, I I played it and I played it a lot. I wish I like stuck to it for longer periods of time, but I don't really have it in me to spend thousands of hours, which I think that game like requires. And almost like if you, if you sign up for like a clan and you you make these friends, like if you go offline for a couple of weeks, they just forget who you are. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're like out of existence. That's, it's an amazing thing for the community. It sticks with it. But other than that, there's nothing really to do. So I think that's well worth a mention. It's quite a weird little story behind it. It's a really good game. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I
0: think that's. Uh, I think that'll All do right. it. <laughs> We've been going for like two hours. <laughs> um, that, that was a bumper episode this week. So uh, we'll be bringing... I think we were talking about maybe doing rad recommendations once mm. a month or maybe once every other week, just so we don't like, you know, fry our brains playing weird loopy games. So uh, that'll be we back. I can't really
1: afford to buy games for 90 pence as well, like every week. Nah,
0: nah, no, not in, not in this economy. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll be back next week. Thanks a lot for listening. That was our discussion on games of the generation. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at, at @ButtonChopsPod. pod. And if you've enjoyed any of our uh, dumb patter, then uh, please leave a review as it helps us out massively. And you can drop us a line um, at our email address, which is buttonchopspodcast at gmail or DM us on social media. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at besusforfood, and I also have a YouTube channel called Little Davey Reviews Things, talking about like games and having a weird animated <laughs> head. You'll see, you'll see if you if you if you look it up, you'll see. Um, yeah, have you got any plugs? No, not
1: really. My Instagram and uh, Twitter is CleverWoot, Um just part of my surname. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's it. I do not have a YouTube channel about animated TED, but I wish I did. Uh, definitely go check it out. It's very good.
0: Well, that's it. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, we'll Thank see you, you. next Bye. week. Bye. Bye.